Hello, my name is Zachary Trailer, and you are listening to Morning Voice, a political journey. Episode number 11, Corporatism in America. Yesterday, before I went to the Fayetteville Marksman game, I had to go to the store, and I ran down the street to Dollar General because they were super close, and they were the only ones open at uh, that, that time of night. Well, I ran into this great lady, and I started talking to her. She was 44 years old, or 45 years old, moved here when she was five years old, so lived in Fayetteville over 40 years. And I asked her, how has the city changed? What are some issues, good things, bad things that she's seen? And she said the biggest one is that people just aren't as nice. Whenever she, you know, of course you have to remember that she was a kid, but she does remember the fondness of the ruralness because she, she knew her neighbors and everyone was a lot more friendly and such. So it, it was really nice. But... Uh, she said that on top of that, it's also the, the the urban city, you know, downtown close to the Gaston's, down, you know, the, the major streets by the courthouse and the major police department uh, and Sagar Stadium. They have been gutted with the creation of the Cape Fear Mall. And this is horrible because she said that the major, uh, e- even the large places such as Sears and Macy's and such used to be located downtown. And she loved it because you were able to walk the streets. Uh, you're able to go from one shop to another, and it, it just invited both economic output and, and encouraged a, a sense of community. And once it got moved up there, it became so so isolating because it was it, that was the only thing there, and it became very you know. She said the outside of her her daughter is a manager assistant manager at one of the the stores in the mall. She's just not a fan of uh, going up there. Whereas with the downtown, it it's perfect and it has a a trolley system. And this is why I kind of want wrap into for, for the major talk for today. Think about not only, I want to focus on economics for this. Not only are we looking at it as uh, we, we spent millions and millions, we subsidized and gave tax tax breaks to these uh, construction companies that were backed by property management and, and investment funds, mainly owned by Wall Street investment group, groups such as Vanguard, State Street, and, and BlackRock. And what we did was we gave them a tax, uh, a tax in- uh, incentives, meaning that they provided less to the community in taxes. And you would think ideally you'd want that to create jobs. These jobs they're creating are things such as GameStop and, and Hobby Lobby, which in theory aren't bad except for they're producing. I was talking to my, my friend who works in uh, GameStop down in Miami. They're only allowed five employees, including a store manager. So, and they're producing, I mean, if you just think about the, the salaries, yeah, they're somewhat competitive looking at $16 an hour, uh, which can be competitive. And it, depending on the areas, you're probably still going to need a, you're either going to be very much down in more of the uh, rural area and have a large drive here in Fayetteville, or you're going to have to have roommates to be able to stay closer closer to your job and closer to the, the you know, j- just the community resources, both economic and societal. Uh, and then government services. So yet, yes, they have that incentive, but they're also looking. If you have two people working at a time, sixteen dollars an hour, eight hour, uh, ten ten hours, you're looking at a hundred three hundred sixty dollars, three hundred sixty dollars that you're spending a a day for that for those two employees. And then let's say we double it because that you have you have back end costs for it, right? So you're looking at six seven hundred twenty dollars. 
sell one PS5 with a controller and a game that's going to be over that amount. And that's a very real occurrence because PS5s are some of the most PS5s, Xbox, Nintendos. These are high selling consoles looking at the tens uh, to $20 million uh, consoles. And then you have the games and accessories that are required for them. And so that, that profit goes right there. And then you have all the little knickknacks, the gift cards, the um, souvenirs, the pop, pop sockets, etc. You're looking that these things are now going, that money that you are spending is now going, very little of it is going to the employee versus a local place. It would either go to the mom and pop who are working there full time or, you know, the, the entire time with the, their kids and maybe one or two part-time employees. Or you're going to have this place that's going to have five employees who are being paid Decent to start, but then the, the upward mobility, even as a store manager, I mean, there was a franchise Dunkin' Donuts that opened up in, in the, the county uh, not too long ago that I worked to, for for a single day. And I quit because while I was promised the potential to be a store a, a manager, um, I found out that the current store manager was making eleven fifty an hour. Now, this is a very extreme portion, and it's one reason why franchising versus uh, GameStop, where it's at least owned by the company, is a little bit different, has its pros and cons. But the fact of the matter is, even if that manager is, only, is making 22 an hour, that's not going to be enough to be able to sustain a family. That that's not in, you know, that there could be an argument made that, oh, that would be fine if these jobs were then a stepping stone into corporate. But for a lot of chances, you aren't. I know in Target, they have a very big preference for hiring outside. And once you've been brought in as a, as a, a local associate, the, the upward mobility is not there. And so again, circling back around to, to, to the payment system that I was talking about in downtown and all that, whenever we're paying into the local systems, the, these, this money in, uh, Cross Creek Mall is getting sucked out into GameStop headquarters, which would in theory be fine if it was a national company that was then reinvesting into the national economy because then you know, you, there could be arguments for a trickle-down effect even though I think the more local it is, the better because it's shown through this next example. So if instead of doing that, we had kept everything downtown, we wouldn't have had the double punch of not, getting, not receiving tax dollars and giving tax subsidies to the, uh, to the investment firms that are doing it. Again, not helping the local economy. Even the contractors are usually being outsourced from, from national uh, uh, places. Local construction firms are being relegated to residential, which is perfectly fine, but a smaller market compared to, uh, compared to uh, commercial and uh, large-scale developments. So, so the, that, that is one incentive as to – or that's one downside to – Having a local business is you're not going to get those high paying uh, contracts that you could then use to expand your business and help the local economy further. Because then whenever I go to downtown, let's say I go to Gaston's, I, pay the, uh, I, I tip the waitress and then the owners are, since it's a one-off shop, the mom and pops, those, those people are then living in the community, paying their property taxes to the community. They're then going out and buying more products that go and it, it's a ever culminating effect into eventually, you know, I get it through the dog business or whatever and then I pay it back. That is how a, lo- a good local economy works. What we've been seeing for for decades now, I mean, even Ross Perot uh, brought it up, and he's one of the three founders of my economic policy, Henry Clay, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, and Ross Perot. Ross Perot was the man who said, hey, whenever we ship jobs out, whenever we replace them with the small service industry, service industry is not bad, but you have to make sure that you're tailoring it to the right thing. And if service industry is your entire economy, it's not going to be self-sustaining. I can only scratch your back, and you can only scratch mine so much with a middleman fee before that man just takes all the money out of the economy.
or out of the local economy, forcing the urbanization, which is then being done ill, uh, ill prepared through uh, su- suburban developments and poorly integrated transit systems. Uh, but again, going back to, to just Ross Pro specifically, whenever we're uh, kicking out these small town shops, whenever we're relegating people, I mean, Walmart literally gives you, whenever you get hired there, a, a packet on how to apply for government uh, food stamps. I'm sorry, if you are a person who is, I mean, a lot of these, these aren't just, you know, greeters and baggers. These are people who have shift leads and, and are managers who are supposed to be dedicating five to 10 years of their life and who have refined their skill and their craft that way. Sadly, they're not being tra- treated like the tradesmen that they should be. They're not, they're, they're being treated like, like lowly laborers whenever their, their skill set is there through management, through, you know, a variety, you know, just being within the industry. And so we need to, to bring that back. So again, focusing this back onto Ross Pro and my whole economic policy, we need to increase our local economy. Stop relying on national, international companies. Stop relying on companies that, such as Walmart, where we pay ungodly amount of money to them that will get siphoned off to private investors uh, that do not help the economy and, uh, and then having to be subsidized by the federal government and by Raleigh and the state, uh, state government, furthering our debt and just continuing continuing the cycle of having us be the middleman from the wealth extraction for the taxpayers and the government uh, and into the private equity firms. Then how do we do this? Creating real jobs, real tangible jobs. This is increasing our timber industry. We have sustainable ways to make environmentally friendly timber uh, and making sure that the reproduction, that we're not oversaturating our our soil, that we're making sure that there's a proper balance of uh, nitrogen, oxygen, helium, you know, all, all the essential compounds that we need within the soil, that we have correct ways to do it. So that way we're preventing erosion and we're preventing all these other negative effects that we have traditionally had on the economy. Seeing as we have such a large timber industry, that would be great. And what would we need that for? Growing our ho- growing our housing. And whenever we look at that, think about I buy a house here in the city, you know, hopefully one that's well connected with public transit. From that, what are we going to do? I'm going to be paying the timber industry and the local construction firms. What are these people doing? Buying into the economy, continuing. Let's say as they grow, they're able to use more uh, service-based industries such as dog sitting that that I, I'm a part of. So let, let's continue this account. Let, let's look at the facts. Let's stop being bought into by the rich. Let's stop listening to, oh, it's okay if we send those jobs away. Sure, it is if that's what they're specializing in, but what are you offering to replace? As Ross Pro famously said, whenever you lose a, a, a good paying job, whenever, you, whenever someone becomes unemployed, you get a double whammy. You lose the taxes that they provide and you, incre- and you increase the welfare state. I'm not against the welfare state in, in the sense that I am not against helping my fellow man, making sure that no child, no mother is going to bed hungry and making sure that every man ha- every man has a, a, a hammer in his hand to, to build his own future. What I am against, though, is forcing more and more people onto that system when they, they genuinely want to live the American dream and be off the system, but their politicians are selling them short, all because they, they know that their uh, corporate donors will not allow them, will not allow them to actually care about the American dream. This whole week will be about economics. I hope, I, I hope tomorrow that whenever I talk some, some more about, uh, Henry Clay, which is probably the lesser known of the three figures in my economic policy, you'll understand why public transit is so important to me and how this re- relates to creating good jobs here in Fayetteville and throughout the state of North Carolina. Thank you and vote trailer for 44.